Welcome to the podcast. I am Shane Barker, your host of Shane Barker's Marketing Madness Podcast. I'm really happy to have an expert content strategist and president of Agile Sherpas, Andrea Fryrear, with me here today. She's a true agile marketing evangelist who runs a lot of training courses, and she's helped many marketers boost their campaign results. Listen as she talks about the brands that are crushing their content marketing initiatives, along with her favorite campaigns to learn from. Also discover what she predicts about the future of content marketing. You definitely find this podcast interesting and valuable. a call here today with Andrea Fryrear. I'm super excited about the interview today. We've been trying to connect for the last few months and because of just life of business and everything else, it's been a little hard to connect, but here we are today. I'm excited about the interview. Yeah, me too. Glad to be here. Absolutely. Absolutely. So why don't you give, kind of tell the audience just a little bit about yourself and you know how you've gotten into the space and stuff like that, where you live. I just want to get kind of a little background on you. Yeah, sure. I live in Boulder, Colorado. So uh, it's pretty nice out here. Yeah, uh, say, Ooh, Boulder. I, yeah. I've only been out there once and it's phenomenal. Yeah, we moved here about 10 years ago and have not left. So uh, I grew up in Texas and I think I prefer Colorado quite a bit. Right. To all their Texas fans, no hard feelings. But I would have to say Colorado, it's like there's I, I'm in Sacramento, California. And I tell you, Colorado is one of those states where I'm like, to me, that would be an even, if not maybe a move up. I love California, but it's like Colorado is just, I don't know, just everything about it is awesome. Yeah, no ocean. So if that's if that's your jam, you can't be here. But uh, the mountains more than make up for it, I think. Well, and you, you can tell from my white skin that I'm not a huge beach fan. It's not that I don't enjoy the beach or enjoy the sun. It's that it doesn't enjoy me. Like I can literally talk about the sun and, and potentially get burnt. So that's about, you know, I'm Irish. So that's what happens sometimes. Yep, yep. Uh, let's see, what else? Uh, marketing, I've been doing for 14, 15 years now. I sort of stumbled into it like a lot of people. I have an English degree and uh, was at my first job and they realized that I kind of knew a little bit about the internet. And then before you know it, I'm in charge of the website and PPC and trying to figure out what this all means and how to do it and been hooked ever since. The good old default. Well, and Deb, you know, it's so funny because I would have never thought about this when I was in college, but having that English background, like, I mean, it's so beneficial. You wouldn't necessarily think of that in the beginning, but especially in the content space, you know, that is a huge, because I'll be honest, like I am not an English major and you can tell like from my beginning posts that I wrote that I'm like, what I would send it to my wife. My wife would go, oh my God, did you write this in crayon? You know, kind of like this. I was, English is, you know, obviously it's my first language, but it's not, I, I'm just not that, I'm okay writer, I would say, but I can't compare it to somebody yourself like that has a degree in that. I think it's such a nice foundation to have. Yeah, it was really nice when uh, content marketing started to become a thing. It was like, oh, look, I can use this degree and actually get yeah. paid for it. So. Mom and dad, I told you. Yeah, that's <laughs> awesome. That's cool. So you did, and what, what college did you go to? I did my undergrad at Austin College, which is a little liberal arts college in Texas. And then I got my master's at Oxford. Nice. And then so, and so when you say when you were in Texas, was it Austin, Texas? No. So uh, it's named after Stephen F. Austin, which ah, is confusing. But then it's not Stephen F. Austin University because that would be too easy <laughs> as well. Yeah, yeah. It's north of Dallas. So it's uh, uh, in Sherman. I like the name because it leaves a little bit of mystery because you know, I'm like from California, I'm highly confused, but I, I get it though. It's 
Well, the reason why I was asked about Austin because I've actually never been to Austin, which is crazy because I have startups I've worked with there. I have a lot of friends that live there. And in fact, one of the instructors that I, I teach a class at UCLA, she actually lives there and she's like, you got to come out to Austin. So I didn't, I was going to ask you about Austin a little bit before we jumped into the content side of things. But Dallas, I've heard is me. I've been to Dallas a few times. I love Dallas. Yeah, Dallas is yeah. nice. Um, I think I prefer Austin. Just I've been there for clients and stuff too. But it has a little bit more of the like typical big city vibe, whereas Dallas is just this like massive sprawl. Yeah, yeah. And that's why I can't believe I haven't been to Austin. Anyways, I'm going to go up by the next time by this podcast goes live. I will be have visited Austin. Watch. How about that? That'll push go. me to get this live sooner. It'll also push me to go to Austin. So that's a good thing. So cool. So when you were in college, you were obviously worked on the English side of things. And then you got into content marketing by default, right? You had a company that says, hey, she, you know, she seems to be, she's really intelligent. We think we've, she does the English side of things. And now she can maybe start doing this PPC thing. And it was kind of a thing of like, hey, this isn't your background, but you kind of grinded it out and looked online and kind of educated yourself. Yeah. And then as that was pre-content marketing days. So then it was like, okay, it all sort of, you know, rolls up together where it's like, okay, I run this website. How do I get people to come to this website? So PPC and SEO and all that good stuff. And then content marketing started to come around. And it was like, oh, this feels a little bit less icky than some of the other yeah, stuff that we've been yeah. doing and like it much, much better. Well, and that's the thing. It's funny. So, you know, most of the people that I interview have been in the space for 10 plus years and there's really nobody that has a background in content marketing because it wasn't even around for the most part, right? It really wasn't. I mean, it was a concept, I guess, but now it's obviously become very popular last, what's like seven, six, five years, whatever that is. But, you know, so it's, that's what's funny about the evolution of us as marketers is, you know, when I, I started doing marketing about 20 years ago, but it's that evol- like content marketing wasn't even, we were doing SEO when it wasn't even called SEO, right? And now with content marketing, now it's content marketing is a thing. You're like, oh, thank God I got the English background. I've been writing some content. And, you know, it's just one of those things we started investing on my website probably about seven or eight years ago on the, on the blog, just saying, hey, I was, I just wanted to write on the blog. You know, even though, like I said, I wasn't a phenomenal writer. And now it's because of that early days and doing that now, you know, content marketing, obviously being a huge, a huge thing. A lot of, you know, B2B and B2C companies want this as a service. And so we have that background now. So it's, you know, once again, there's not too many people that went to school for content marketing, because that's more of a now thing, right? In the last probably four or five years where somebody's like, oh, I can go to, I don't even know if there's even a, a school that teaches content marketing necessarily. I feel like there was one in, it was a random place like Australia or something where you could actually get a degree in content marketing, but I think they were the first. Yeah. See, down under. See, that's what it is. Yeah. Australia always has the stuff. That's awesome. It's kind of interesting to me because like I said, it's just not, I kind of stumbled into the same way that you have, right? And it's like, okay, this is kind of awesome. You have that background and now it makes sense to, to move forward with that with your clients. So tell me a little bit about your company. So what's the name of your company and kind of give me a little background there because obviously you've been around for a while. Yeah. So uh, I'm the president and lead trainer for Agile Sherpas. And we're actually not a content marketing specific company. We train people on how to apply agile principles and practices to marketing. So taking them from the world of software development and then tweaking them so they work better for marketers. Now that's awesome because that's a really it's a really interesting angle um, because a lot of people don't understand that right especially when it comes to creating stuff like hey there's efficiencies you can put in place and if you get to a certain point you have this happens this happens this happens and you probably shouldn't go any further right but if you go this way then hey it makes sense to continue on I, talk a little bit more about that because I, I think that's probably a a place that a lot of people, first of all, it's hard enough for people to produce content, right? Or produce, I guess, also have a company that that is like that, right? I mean, I know that like Toyota, there were some other ones that their their methodology was like, hey, we go to a certain point, if it doesn't make sense, then we just cut it. And it was more, like I said, there was a system to it, there was processes for that. 
Yeah, yeah, definitely. So that like minimum viable product type yeah. approach where you can get it out there and test it. And I love that for content because the the internet makes it so easy to put yeah. something out there that's small and low risk. You get it done in a couple days, get it out in front of an audience. And then if they love it, great, double down on it, more resources behind it. But if they hate it, then no big deal. I only spent two days on it as yeah. opposed to the good old days where we'd have our, you know, six month massive campaign that we would sit on until it was 100% done and then you put it out and like, oh, I hope it works. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, and that's interesting to me because I'll tell you, I mean, I'll be honest, m m my team doesn't do that. We don't do that, right? And it's not, I really think that's some place that we could improve because for us, it's, you know, we look at content, we look at keywords, we look at some, some people have put some stuff out there. We obviously look at like the, you know, the key, the KD of like the, how competitive that keyword is. Not every blog post we do is, is always keyword driven, but I, I think that is something that, that where we could improve upon as an, as an agency is like going and, and testing some stuff ahead of time. So um, that's interesting. So I might have to talk to you off that off camera about that. Cause that's, that's definitely an interesting thing. That's something that I think we need as an agency. Um, so tell me a little bit like, so how does that work? Like when you guys bring in clients, like give me kind of a rundown of like, who would be your guys' perfect client, right? And somebody that you guys can bring in and say, hey, this is the type of company we work with here and what we look at is their processes. And how does that like kind of give me a little more breakdown of that? Yeah, so we work with teams of all sizes actually. Um, the sweet spot, if you're looking to like do a complete transformation relatively quickly, is kind of a 20 person marketing team because that's not too complex. Yeah. Uh, we have a couple of groups that are, you know, like two, three, 400 marketers inside of a department and you've got to really carefully approach that kind of transformation. But when we have a smaller team of, you know, 20 ish folks, then we can come in and really do a lot of work in two days. Um, and as you can imagine, just thinking about the like minimum viable product type approach, a lot of times you have to go back to basics and change team structure and change the way you design campaigns and change the way that you plan your work. All that has to change in order for the practices to actually get into place. Um, and so we spend a fair amount of time teaching people like what does agile really mean? It's not just about being fast. There's other, you know, foundational elements there too. And before we ever tell you, okay, now let's build a board and let's do daily stand up and, and get into the practices stuff. So we, we start there, but we definitely give people the, the nitty gritty stuff as well. And then you guys actually meet with the client in person. Is it like a two day intensive type thing or how do you guys run things? Yeah, we definitely um, need to be on site with people because there's a lot of, um, we do hands-on like exercises to really, you know, I can say agile things to you all the time, but until you're like in there doing it, it's, those are when the light bulbs go off. So yeah, yeah. on-site stuff is key. Yeah, I was going to say, because I could only imagine if you did something remote, how difficult that would be. Because A, people are going to be kicking and screaming a little bit because of change, right? So that's never, right? So if you're not in there, you know, whipping them, not really whipping them, but you know, in there like saying, hey, you got to do this, showing them how to do it and educating them. I think that's really the key to this whole thing because it is, it's, you're really going in and revamping everything that they've done, right? Reevaluating and redoing it. So that change is not always comfortable for people. In fact, usually it's uncomfortable for people, right? So um, that's interesting. You guys usually do, it's a, usually a two-day thing. I mean, I guess it depends on the size of the company. Yeah, it really does. Um, we have a, a two-day class that's our usual kind of introductory to, you know, what is Agile in marketing and all of that. Um, and you can get certified in Agile marketing if you do the two days. Um, so people like to start there. Um, and then we'll come back and do, you know, coaching and we'll do the like actual kickoff stuff. Yeah. We'll train leadership sometimes because they kind of get in the way if they don't know what's going on and how their behavior has to change too. Yeah. Well, and that's the thing is it is a behavioral thing, right? It's only a process, but it's the idea of like, hey, when you come in on Monday, this is going to be totally different than what you were doing on Friday, right? Yeah. And it's, and it's like anything. Go ahead. No, go ahead. 
Oh, I was going to say, and I just think that's always a, that's always so difficult for people because you know they every the the everybody wants to stay not everybody but a good amount of people want to stay complacent like hey this is okay even if results aren't as favorable because it's easy to come in on a Monday and just do the same stuff you do when you're when you're you know disrupting that I think it becomes a situation where people are like oh this is this is uncomfortable but obviously I'm sure after a few weeks a few months they start to see that change and start to see the different you know whatever it is and on things the process is being in place and and improving things I think that's when the, obviously the value happens yeah and you can see it in the the people who track it well you know it's it's an improvement in traditional marketing KPIs better ROI and time spent and things like that but then also just sheer productivity and morale increases as well uh, but the problem a lot of times, too, is that when you when people hear we're going to change the process because our process isn't working, what they hear is the way I do my work isn't working and they take it really personally. Yeah. Um, so, again, it's so important to be in the room because you can feel that energy change when you start yeah. to say those words and you've got to be able to get out in front of those kinds of things because people can sabotage it. I mean, it's like with with any process change, people oh, can yeah, sabotage. Yeah, yeah. Well, and that's I think it's a great point because that's the thing is a lot of people because they do take their work personally right but it's but they're what what they feel like is that you guys are coming in and saying hey you you've this thing's all messed up and we have to revamp it because of what you've done right which is really not that it's like hey maybe there's some processes and maybe some things that we can help to make things more efficient and it's not something to be taken personally it's like the whole idea at the end of the day is we just want to improve things right isn't that what everybody can agree on yeah we all want to make things better okay so what we're going to look at is that some of these processes that can be tweaked and that's what we're here to do not necessarily say this was wrong don't take it personal it's that kind of thing so i, I totally get that but it is that you know i see that a lot of times if we do um sometimes we do joint ventures and what you know sometimes with other marketing companies when we were a younger agency um and it was like always kind of like Always that, you know, you don't really want to step on anybody's toes. You want to tell them that's wrong, but we've seen this, it's a little better. And it's been, we don't do that anymore. Now it's like, Hey, we have to have the reins, you know, cause it's not, I can't really have, you can't have two chefs, you know, yeah. cooking the meal, right. You gotta have a sous chef and you gotta have some people doing desserts and stuff. So it's the same kind of, I was res- raised in the restaurant industry and service industry. That's what I always think of as like, you know, it doesn't make sense to have that many people. And it's like really who's in charge of this. And, and you guys coming in and saying, Hey, I'm going to give you guys the reins for a few days and then help educate you guys. Just knowing that what we all care about is this process being better, that we have more sales, that the efficiencies are there. And I think everybody should agree to that, right? I mean, at the end of the day, it's like your bonuses might be higher. You can increase productivity. I mean, there's all kinds of benefits from this thing if we work on this thing together. Yeah. And we, I mean, I was an individual, you know, content contributor before I was ever an agile coach. And so I can speak to that and say like, look, I have that experience and this makes your life better, makes your life easier. You're not stressed out as much and there's fewer fire drills and like, it's, it's good for everybody, not just kind of like do it for the organization, you know, like it makes your life better too. Yeah. And I think you would think if they can't take it personally, the idea of that is that you're also growing as an individual, right? So you can mm-hmm. take this on to any company and that's a, obviously a, a valuable resource to have to know that, Hey, we worked in these kind of conditions and this is what we, I learned. And you'd be able to take that. I mean, really you'd have to think of it as like, Hey, this is huge value. It's like the company is investing in me to be a better person for this company and maybe for a future company as well, which, you know, if they can think about it the right way, there's huge, there's, that's beautiful. That's awesome that somebody's willing to do that. Yeah, and there's actually a lot more um, job postings even out there that are asking for agile marketing experience. Like they want to hire people who know how to do this. And so yeah. to be able to know how to do it makes you a more valuable employee too. How long have you been doing it for? Uh, so I've been using agile marketing in one form or another. It's like four years, I want to say. Um, been wow. training full time for almost two years. 
Wow. That's awesome. Cause I, I, once again, I understand the, the value in it and I understand like what you guys are doing, but I don't know if I've heard about it that much. And obviously you said it's, it's up and coming, but I think that's, what's really cool is you, you obviously got in a long time ago and one of the first people doing it, or at least that I've heard about doing it, which is awesome. So, um, that's cool. Is there a lot of other companies that are doing things like this when it comes to like the agile type of the methodology? There's, uh, quite a few folks using it. Um, we do, Agile Sherpas does, uh, this is our second year doing a state of Agile marketing report. And so last year when we did it, we saw about 37% of our respondents saying they're using Agile in some form or fashion. There's obviously a pretty big spectrum there of, of, you know, super Agile or just a little bit. Um, so it's, you know, about a third of the marketing teams out there are trying it. Um, and I, from what we've seen this year, I think it's the numbers for 2019 will be uh, quite a bit higher. It's just people are, are it's not optional anymore to, to fix your process and try to do more with less and be more productive. And all of those things are really just table stakes kind of now. Yeah, that's awesome. So that's cool. I, once again, I think that side of things, it's, it's interesting for me because once again, there's always, you know, processes that when you have processes in place or if you have bad processes in place, it's obviously it affects everything, right? So now the fact to be able to go in there and, and recognize that and be able to change that um, is interesting to me. I mean, that's, you know, it makes me want to reevaluate my processes. Like I said, we'll probably talk offline about that. So um, tell me a little bit about your book. So you had a book, was it Death of a Marketer? Mm-hmm. Which when I yeah, first read so- the title title like I took that very personally because I was like oh I didn't know if there was something I didn't know about or that I wasn't in the know but anyways tell us a little bit about that your inspiration what the book's about give us some intel there yeah so um when I wrote the book about two years ago um and at that point there were a lot of people who were starting to talk about how to do agile marketing like that was kind of becoming the, the the discussion but there weren't too many people really explaining why we should be doing it um, and so I, I thought that that was really important to figure out like where marketing, what's marketing's sort of journey been like and why have we arrived at this place where our process is so broken and it's, it sort of sucks to be a marketer sometimes, which is the, the death of the marketer, yeah. um, title. And so, um, I spent a lot of time researching and kind of going back through history of, of what did traditional marketing look like, then why agile has become more of a, a necessity in the way that we work. Um, and then did my own little sort of take on, on what does it actually look like to practice um, in marketing. And it was a big deal for me, too, because a lot of the folks who, uh, I'm trying to think of the diplomatic way to say this, <laughs> who haven't necessarily done marketing and agile will get very fixated on Scrum as the only option for making it work, um, when in fact, marketers need a lot more variety of practices for us. Um, and so I wanted to make sure that that was uh, clear and available for marketers to have good access to that information. Gotcha. And so just to confirm, but no marketers were killed in the making of this book, right? Because I just no marketers were harmed. No. No harm at all. I mean, I just don't want like there's like you know there's like PETA for animals. I just don't know if there's like marketers like if they're going to get some people picketing at your house or something. I just just trying to keep you safe on that side because uh, you. No, just, I, th- I think I'm okay. Yeah, I appreciate okay. the concern. All right, yeah. that's good. That's good. Okay, just want to make sure. Um, that's awesome. So you, I mean, and you you did the book was about two years ago which is interesting to me because that was, you'd only been in the space for about two years at that point, right? So you're like saying, Mm -hmm. hey, listen, there's obviously a need for this, right? And there's, hey, we're doing this, but also I think, let me explain why the the death of the marketer and why we need these processes to be put in place. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Because like I said, I've, I've been there and I've, I've been that, uh, that person who has 47 email requests to, to create some content for one reason or another and, and felt like I'm drowning. So, 
Uh, and Agile was awesome. Like it came in and really just kind of saved my butt. And so I, I want to make sure that as many people as possible have the ability to, to try it out. All right. Well, my butt needs to be saved. I, I, I'm with you on that. I guess if I had a dollar for every email that I got that had to do, hey, you want to do content together? So, which I appreciate. Like anybody sends me those. I, I love it. But it is like this. You know, I look at it. I'm like, wow, that's cool. 500 emails on a Monday. Yes, this is awesome. Yeah. You know, and yeah. I put some efficiencies in place. Nowhere close to what you guys create by any means. But I have, you know, VAs and all that fun stuff where it's, 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 it's cause, you know, it's, I've had a little less I guess, stress when it comes to that. But that's definitely something that I think I need to look at in regards to that because there's processes that are in place that, that, are, that could be improved. I think that's with anything you do, though. I mean, it's, you know, it's like always have, especially to have an outside source or you know, another set of eyeballs to take a look at your process because you always, well, I don't always feel this, but other people are like, oh, I think it's a good process. And it's like, well, but it never hurts to have a third party take a look at it. Yeah, for sure. So let's, let's talk about your courses here. So you, you've, I see that you do a lot of courses. Like what are some of the, like how many courses do you have right now? Uh, so we have, uh, the agile marketing fundamentals that I mentioned, which is two yeah. days long. Um, and then most of the other stuff we do ends up being custom, um, after we've visited clients and figured out exactly what they need. Um, things after that tend to be pretty customized. Um, we have an online course as well, which is a super basic kind of introduction. What is agile? What is marketing? How do they work together? Those kinds of yeah. things. Um, yeah, so those are a couple of them. Um, we have some fun, like, half-day ones that we've done um, for local clients that are, are interesting. Um, my favorite one is uh, about the theory of constraints. I don't know if you're familiar, but it's from Eli Goldratt's book, The Goal, which is very, very cool. Um, good reading, if anybody's looking for some uh, good reading options. But yeah. the idea is every system has a bottleneck, and we have to be able to identify it. We can't necessarily make it go away but we've got to be able to optimize the system despite the bottleneck being there. And so we have a fun little origami folding exercise that teaches you um, how to identify the bottleneck and then what to do about it. So lots of ways to improve the system that don't involve just hiring a bunch more people. Yeah. Well, that's funny. So I, um, where I have my office, there's obviously other people in, in the office space, but one of them is KAI partners and they do a lot of this, they do it for the state of California, but they do some scrum stuff and some stuff. And I've always been really intrigued by what they do, but I'll tell you that like the, the put up these crazy whiteboard things and I look at it my instantly, like, I think I get like my brain hurts, I get a little anxiety. I'm not even in the meeting. I'm looking at that going, Oh my God. Like I think it's, you know, to be able to, to make it palatable and a little bite size. And you said so you have a course that's one thing that's kind of like that beginner, like, Hey, let's get you some, some framework or some foundation on one of some of the different things we have going, I think is a good idea because it can be daunting. I mean, I don't know your guys' process, but here when I look at it and they're working with the state of California. So there's hundreds of people, thousands of people. I mean, there's a lot of different stuff, but I look at that and I go, that looks like that was going to hurt my brain, but I do, I like the, I understand the value in it. I'm like, Hey, once you really, really figure this whole thing out and really deal, drill down deep, I think the origami thing is a great example of like, because then it's real hands-on and then people go, Oh, I see. Oh, that makes sense. Because a lot of the things we don't know, right? We don't know if there's a bottleneck or maybe you do, but you don't understand how it happens or how to get out of it even better, right? Like there's a bottleneck. What do I do instead of like, do we just fire Larry or do we give Larry an assistant? Like, like what do you do, right? It's like, how do we take care of that? Like, um, for you guys, when you guys do the, those types of systems, you guys are looking at like, hey, let's, once again, the efficiencies, right? Of saying, hey, listen, you have a 10-person team. You don't necessarily need to give 15 people. What you need to do is figure out how we can, you know, cut down on what people are doing or like, how, what are the, what, like, what would you recommend for something like that? I guess is kind of what I'm asking. Yeah. I mean, for the most part, most of the teams that we work with need to find a way to say no, right? And that's that's really what strategy is, is choosing the things that you don't do 
very intelligently. Um, one of my favorite lines from the Agile Manifesto is uh, simplicity, maximizing the amount of work not done is essential. And so allowing people to a visualize all the work, get it out there somehow so you can see everything that you could be doing, and then to intelligently choose from among that what the most valuable and important work really is, and then to allow people to go off and do it without being interrupted every five minutes uh, by some other, you know, faux emergency, because, you know, everybody's got something going on all the time, but to give people that space and that mental, um, you know, opportunity to focus and get the thing done before you move on to the next one uh, is really, really crucial. Yeah. And once again, as we talk about this, I just think about our processes and, and some of that stuff, because it's, you know, we we were, when you're, I think, you know, and, and this always changes, right? Each year, every few years, it changes. It's like, hey, you know, being, you know, having ADHD, which was super awesome for me because I was like, oh, look, I can put up 1,500 windows and do 1,500 things. And now you're realizing like, hey, maybe it's a little better to focus a little bit on some stuff getting done. You know, we, back in the day, I would have, you know, 10 projects going and we were 20%, 25% and nothing was really getting done because we were, you know, we would, we would chip away at them and that was great. But it's like, there was just so many different things that would have to happen there instead of focusing on one project finishing that project. I mean, unless it's clients, obviously, because then there's always different levels, but for our own internal projects we had, it's like saying, Hey, we need to like, let's just finish this one. Cause this is a high priority, put all the team on this one, get this thing to where it needs to be, and then go move on to another project. So I think that is in, in allowing that time. Right. So, I mean, when I was, when I was younger, I mean, I was working, you know, 18 hours, 19, I mean, long, long, way long hours, seven days a week. And I was killing myself literally on, because I didn't have processes in place, right. Where I was, just grinding, grinding, grinding. And I was making great money, but who cares about the money if you can't ever use it, right? I'm like, this is great. My son's going to, you know, have money in the bank and I'm going to be dead at, you know, 40 years old or something. So that's you know, obviously not the goal here in life. So I think that's, you know, when you look at those efficiencies and what you need to do to be able to, to cut that down and, I, I, you know, work smarter, not harder, right? Of like, of being able to do that. So it's really interesting to me because like I said, I, I think of that transition of my agency myself as an individual from, you know, 20 plus years ago until we're at today, I, I feel like we're definitely better for sure, but we're not, we're nowhere close to the, the, the thought process and how you guys put things together. So once again, very intrigued by it for sure. Yeah, it's really fantastic. And it's, it's been good. Like I'm an entrepreneur myself, but having the agile kind of little agile angel on my shoulder telling me like sustainable pace, limit work in progress, like has been really nice because I have small kids as well. And, and you don't want to spend 20 hours a day away and, and grinding it out. And really that we, I think we are, we're out of that world where busyness was the mark of status, right? It's more about being effective now. And, and, yeah. you know, if that takes you three hours a day, then great work three hours a day. So. And that's the way we run my teams. Like I, so my whole team, I have a 31, 32 person team now, but we're all remote. And I, that's the way I run things is like, it's not, I'm not here to micromanage anybody. I'm not here to, that's just not the way I do things. Right. Because I don't want to, I don't have time to go see, Hey, what are you doing here? What's going on here? Like if you're more efficient and you can get your stuff done in three hours when it should have taken eight, I don't have a problem with that. I mean, as long as the work is getting done. Um, I think another thing is, and I don't know if you've thought about selling this is that the agile angels, do you think those are, can you buy those? Cause I, I mean, I would probably take two right now. Cause I'd probably, I'd want two angel ones because the, the devil one not, always seems to be on my one. shoulder. Yeah. yeah, the devil one is always like, hey, no, do more. You, you know, you know, come on, man, show them what you got. I'm like, dude, leave me alone. Like, I'm talking to the other angel real quick. Like, call me later or something. Is, do you guys sell those angels or anything? Or no? I, I'm going to go ahead and copyright that right now after we get off. And uh, we'll have them with for all our little workshop attendees. And it'll say, like, limit, work in progress every five minutes or so. Yeah, I mean, why not, right? Everybody needs that a little, like, what is that? I was like, oh, it's my angel. I forgot about that, you know? 
Awesome. Yeah. Well, let me know if that works out because I'd like, I don't really care about a cut because it was a little bit of my idea, but I mean, you brought it up originally, but if you could send me a free angel, I guess, or two or whatever, maybe they can help me out throughout my day. Yeah, can do. Thank you. Ben. I look forward to the angel coming here in the mail. Um, so tell us a little bit. So when we talk about like, you know, like, let's say I'm an aspiring marketer and, and I say, Hey, I want to you know, jump in the marketing space. Like, I mean, obviously I think a first step would be, Hey, you're obviously you have your course, right? Your, your baseline, your foundational course where they could go take a look at what are some other books or some other things that you've read that you might recommend? I mean, cause if I'm a marketer, like for me, you know, we, there's a lot of things that we would have to change and I get that. But if I was starting off and said, Hey, I really want to jump into this. I know there's training and stuff that you can go through as well. Like touch on that a little bit as well. Yeah. I mean, I think it's so great to be able to self-educate these days. And I think diversification is just so important for marketers. Like don't pigeonhole yourself. I mean, even content marketing is amazing, but I think that it's not going to be content marketing forever. There's going to be something else that comes along and we've got to be ready to, to pivot however that looks. Um, and so I think reading a good variety of different books. Um, so let's see some other good ones. Um, I just finished 10X Marketing. Um, which I really liked. Uh, they touch on Agile a lot there um, it's by the the CEO of CoSchedule talking about kind of how they've um, grown as a company. Um, and I love it when people do that, kind of share their real stories of this is what we did and this is what worked and didn't work. Um, I find that really helpful instead of the abstract ideas. Um, and then I think probably the like extreme opposite of that would be um, Jay Akunzo and his book, Break the Wheel, which is very like, don't follow what other people have done, like forge your own path and think critically for yourself. And so uh, the balance between those two is probably yeah. a nice one. Somewhere in the middle. Well, that's, and I think that's why the conversation I was excited about today is because the agile side of things we don't necessarily do, but we should. And that's where I love these kind of like the podcasts and this kind of stuff, because it's you can start to learn about it, right? I mean, I feel like there's always, these days it's hard because you have, there's so much information, right? And you got, you're funneling this in and trying to like make it palatable. And so for, you know, for, for entrepreneurs that like ourselves or we produce content and so people consume that content, which is good, but it's, you know, it's, it is difficult from our point and even the people that follow us is like to be able to, to have people come in and, um, and take a look at like, like, what do we like, how do you filter through all that information that's coming through? Right. And I think this is something that that's why I, I always try to figure out some books that we can recommend to somebody because if they can go through and, you know, read a little bit and once again, not, I mean, maybe they go full blown agile, but maybe, you know, as a piece or a, I guess a, a something in your toolbox, right. Of that you can use. And so we talk about these different books that like, I hey, just give you a little bit of a better idea. So you can at least talk fluidly about it. Maybe not be totally, you know, you know, like once again, not be an instructor by any means, but at least have enough information to be dangerous. Yeah, definitely. And if people are listening and interested in, in trying Agile just for themselves, there's a fantastic book called Personal Kanban, which I just reread as my like recommitment for the new year to kind of get back on track with things. But it really talks about um, designing systems for your whole life so you can manage your personal stuff and your work stuff and your workout stuff and your kids stuff all kind of together. So you're really making sure that you're doing the right, the right thing at the right time. And who is the author? Do you, do you know? Oh, if you don't remember, I'm just, you could see every time you'd say a book, I go to write it down. So you see, yeah. I, I duck out for a second. So I'm just trying to, I'm going to, I'm going to add on my list. There's two authors and I can't remember. I can't remember okay. their name. That's right. I'll look it up. I'll look it up and we'll put it um, at the bottom of the podcast or something like that. Um, so what are the things, so let's talk about this. So like over the years of like, obviously you've been building up efficiencies and doing that kind of stuff. So what are your, what do you think your strengths and your weaknesses are as maybe as a marketer, but I, I guess also as an agency, like 
what have you guys had to improve upon? Not to talk about the, the bad things, but I was going to talk about the good stuff, obviously, and there's a lot of good things there. But like, what have you guys had to, what have you guys had to change, I guess, from, from an agile perspective in your guys' agency? Because obviously you're teaching other people how to do it. And there's always, you know, usually what happens is you go and teach everybody else. Like for me, I teach everybody else how to do stuff. Like I just started optimizing my blog like a year ago. I've done it for everybody right. else and they all got great results and everything was awesome. And I was looking at mine. I'm like, I'm getting like a hundred people a day. Like this is ridiculous. Like I should, and now we're, you know, now we're, we're going getting two, 3000 people a day, but you know, like tell, tell me a little bit about that process. Like what did it take for you guys to go and take a look at your process and say, Hey, we have to make some improvements here as well. Yeah. I mean, I'm, like personally really good at the the execution side of things like give me my backlog and I'll go through and and like churn through things and I'm really good at that Um, but we're a remote group as well and so finding opportunities for effective collaboration is probably our biggest challenge because um, I'm a firm believer in the face-to-face like even if it's just like what we're doing right now like being able to see you and and get your body language clues is so important Um, And so that's been something we've had to really commit to, to like, we're not just going to get on the phone, we're going to get on video, and we're going to actually like communicate with one another and collaborate. Um, Because it's easy when you're not in the same time zone to let that sort of stuff just slide and be like, yeah, we'll catch up later. Yeah. And so what do you and so I'm going to switch gears on you a little bit. So you guys have a full remote team. What do you guys, because obviously I have a full remote team too, right? It's taken a, a long time to get it to a point where it's, now I feel like it's very efficient. Uh, well, very efficient until I talk to somebody like you and then you're going to look at it and go, <laughs> you're like 30%, buddy. And I'm like, okay, I thought I was maybe closer to 70, but that's okay. Um, with the remote side of things, like what do you, what softwares do you guys use and stuff like that? People have remote teams or stuff or are looking to develop a remote team? Yeah, I, I'm a big Trello fan. And so we have a, a shared Trello board and, and that's like the source of truth for everything. So yeah. we tag each other in there like, hey, I need your feedback on this thing. Um, documents are attached there. Um, and then I'll geek geek out on Agile and for just a second. But we have epics, which are like the big, you know, this is a quarter long project. And then we break it down into the tasks and, and things that go with it. And they're all color coded. So it's like I can see if I'm overspending time on this one prior on this one project and neglecting the other. Um, so I, my Trello board is kind of intense, but uh, it's really effective for us. That's awesome. So we use Trillo as well. We do a little bit of Slack, obviously, um, and then Google Drive doc for stuff, and then Dropbox, obviously, for, for files. Yeah, we like Trillo. I mean, it's it's funny because we've used a lot of different things, Basecamp and Trillo and Asana, and I think it's so – I haven't really I haven't really felt that there's anything that really – like is just not perfect. I mean, because everybody has kind of a different systems, but it's always like – I feel like, oh, this one's good here. This one's good there. Another one that we actually just started trying is called Griffin. Um, it's a friend of mine, Marcella, that, um, that actually put the software together. She's been working on it for about three years. Um, I did a, 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 a thing here with SEM Rush, do an actually live workshop here, and she was one of the speakers um, and came, and she's like, oh, I've got this software. And I was like, oh, let me you know, check it out. And so I looked at it. I was like, wow, it's really – so it's just they talk about the processes. Like, you know, once again, it's like, hey, you have this to do. Somebody order some content from you. Like, here goes the 15 things that need to, done, to be done. And then it's done. Like, they have, like, process street. And there's some other ones like that, right, that you can go and, hey, this happens. And then this email gets sent out and stuff like that. So I'm, I'm trying that right now. And we're just kind of putting the processes in place to kind of streamline some of those um, and, you know, to better you know, make more transparency for the client and for us as well internally because there's, you know, there's just a lot of moving pieces when it comes to the stuff that we do. Um, and uh, anyways, it's always it's always interesting. The process side of things, like I said, can always be improved. 
Yeah, yeah. We use co-schedule a lot too, I should say, for uh, social and, and scheduling and um, blog posts and all that good stuff. So I've been finding that to be really helpful this year too. Like as kind of a one-woman show, sometimes it's it's nice to to look like I have more people working on my social media than I really do. Yeah, that's that's the beauty of it all. Yeah, we um, I've used co-schedule. In fact, I just was on the podcast with Eric and those guys over there at co-schedule. It's awesome, awesome team over there. Um, we do a few different things. We use another thing just for you and maybe people out there is that we use a company called Q, Q U U. Oh, like like yeah. like in the Q, yeah. Yeah, and then Q Promote is another one that we do. So you know, um, and what they do is it's just they do two different sides of the thing. They one is like where you go and you can put you know some content that you want to get promoted and you pay monthly for that and your content for distribution side. And then the other side of it is like, hey, you're a marketer. This is the type of content you want out there, and they hand read everything and they curate the content for your for your audience. Um, which is interesting because once again, we're always looking for time savers, right? Like, I mean, I could spend all day long reading articles and doing this and sharing them. And now I haven't done the, the 5,000 other things that I was supposed to do. Um, so yeah, so I think that's, that's a co-schedule we've used and we've also um, liked them as well. They're obviously a great company. Yeah. Well, cool. I'll have to look into Q. That's an interesting one. Yeah. It's Q U U U. So there's Q and then there's Q promote. Oh. So there's two sides of the company. Yeah. Yeah. So I don't know. I don't know what Q dot Q U E is. So I just want to make sure you don't go there and it's, it sounds like it's pretty safe. <laughs> But, um, well, cool. So let me see. Let, like, so what, like, give us some, like, talk to us a little bit about some of the brands that you guys have worked with. I mean, it can be big or small and some of the, you know, some of the, the results you guys have seen there. Cause I'd kind of be interested. I know everybody's results are different, right? Depends on the organization, depends on how the process is, the people that are hired there, how well they adapt the processes and all that kind of stuff. But kind of give me some rundown of maybe some case studies or some stuff that you guys have done. Yeah. So one of my favorites is actually, um, a little agency, um, out in California, out where you are. Um, but they started with just about five people um, on their first team. And we were really helping them kind of coaching them through the process. And they and they were remote most for the most part. And so they had like all the typical kind of marketing challenges. Um, plus they have clients and internal work and all that good stuff. Um, but they did a really good job of, of committing. Like they had um, somebody who was running the team, like an actual scrum master running the team and running the process. And that was hugely important for them. And they were able to basically double their team size in a year. So they brought on a whole nother scrum team of like five to seven people because they were seeing such good efficiencies and they're able to bring on more clients and all those good things basically paid for itself um, through the process improvement. Um, so that was, I love that. Cause it's just like this little like powerhouse team coming in and like kicking butt. Um, that one's great. And then kind of the other like super extreme end from that is we've been working with a pharmaceutical company who has like 300 marketers in their department. And so they're really focused, um, on education first. So like get everybody understanding what does agile marketing mean for you? How's this going to change your job? Of course, there was a huge restructure that happened in conjunction with it all. So everyone's freaking out about their roles and who's my boss and how am I going to be evaluated? And so really like level setting everybody before they jumped too heavily into like, here's exactly how this is going to work. Like here's where daily standup happens and here's your board and, and all those specifics, um, which I think has set them up. That's They've been a little over a year into it. So they've, they've got some more work to do um, with a team that size. But they are a great story in terms of like education is important. You've you've got to lay the groundwork, especially yeah. in a group that size, to really reap the benefits over the long term. 
I'm just like instantly you said 300 marketers and I, I, I instantly wanted to duck out and start crying. Um, I mean, I just can only imagine because you have 300. So I used to own a company where we had 130 employees, right? And I know running, and that was 130 people. And, and, and if any of those people listen to this podcast, I love you guys all. So don't take this personally, but there, you know, I always felt like I was like the fireman, right? Putting stuff out and doing, I, I couldn't really, really work on the business. Um, I mean, I had great people in place and my management team, but there was probably, our processes probably weren't all perfect, right? By any means. I mean, what process is, but um, when I think about 300 people and, and getting all those people to A, buy into it and to view it. And, and obviously the education side of it is important and everybody wants to keep their job. So they're, but I just think, man, that's like just to be able to put something like that together for 300 people um, is really mind blowing to me. Cause obviously I haven't, I don't, I don't do it. So I don't, I look and I go, I don't even, I'll put on a whiteboard and I go, I don't even know where to start with this thing. Like, you know, obviously you guys have been doing it for a while. So you guys get that. But I just think like the movement, like five person team all day long. Like I feel like I could, Hey, we can figure some stuff out 300 because you know, I mean, you, you get whatever the percentage is, you get 60% or let's say 40% that are excited, 60% like this is, or 40% that said they love it, 40% says, hey, I'm not worried about it, and 20% like, this is ridiculous, like, I hate this. You know, it's like, how do you like, and then being able to, because you're obviously not going to be able to be there for the whole year, um, and then being able to like, I mean, it's really, I almost feel like you're like a PR company for like something bad that happens for a client, and you got to get it out to the media, and then you change perception of what's going on. I mean, it really has to like, you got to get people to buy in. You have to get them to start making those changes. It's just 300 people. That's just, and that's like moving a herd of like drunk elephants, which I don't even know if elephants get drunk, but I just feel like that's like how slow the process could be. Yeah. And in those sites groups, it's really important to pilot intelligently. So like you're not going to flip the switch on 300 people overnight, but to get yeah. one group of those people that you mentioned that are like, yeah, this is awesome. And I'm excited, like put them on a team and let yeah. them, process some projects and like show how awesome this is and how much more effective they are. And then if everyone else is like, Oh, that was cool. I want to do that too. Find the evangelist. Yeah. That makes total sense. I just, you know, I just look at that, go, man, 300 people. That's just, that is quite a feat to take on. Um, it's a big ship to turn and it doesn't happen quickly at all. No, it's, I mean, there's just, but I understand that it does make sense of like, Hey, those small wins and for those people to go tell other people about small wins. Cause it's easy for you to come in and say, Hey, this is the best thing since sliced bread. And they're like, well, obviously you're going to say that, like you're getting paid to be here, right? You know, it's like you want to get some of the people internally that are saying, wow, this is really awesome. We started using this and we had some small wins. This is what we're looking at. And then people kind of get intrigued and start asking some questions instead of being opposed to change, which is, you know, I would think in the beginning, that's a lot of people are that way, right? I mean, it's just kind of human nature. Yeah. And people have to believe it's going to stick too. Like they have to yeah. see leadership changing and, and actually taking on these agile ways of working, or they're going to say, oh, this is one more thing that you're trying to get me to do. And if I just wait it out long enough, you'll yeah. change your mind and, and yeah. the next thing will come along. Yeah. The buy-in, right. To trickle down. That's definitely it. Yeah. That's a, that's a tricky, like you said, it's a, that's a big ship to move for sure. So what do you like, let's, let's talk about content marketing a little more. So what's, what do you think of like the future of content marketing? Like, what do you see, where do you see this thing going? I mean, you've already, you already killed all the marketers two years ago in your book. So now that those people are out of the way, where do, I mean, I want to know what's next. Cause I, I missed that first wave of, of, deaths and stuff like that, which I think is good. Um, but I'm just trying to figure out for that second wave of like, what do you see? Cause you're kind of Nostradamus in this. So I want to know, you don't like, want to be what a casualty that next of the next. Yeah, I do not. I mean, I'm, I'm trying to survive here in this land of milk and honey. I mean, it's 2019. I just want to keep going. So kind of what do you see in the regards to the future of content marketing? Yeah. I mean, you know, really and truly, I, I think that agile has got to be the way forward because it allows us to stay strategic and continue to like 
see the big picture, focus on the audience, all of those important kind of foundational things, but then to still execute in a really rapid fashion because people don't care who you are or what brand you're with or what kind of budget or, or team size you have. They expect you to respond to them just like Amazon or Netflix or Google or any of these other places that are, are like, you know, responding and changing in, in minutes or seconds. Yeah. So there's none of this like, oh, it takes me two weeks to, to get back around to you. And so we've, we've got to be able to have, have systems in place that allow us to do that. So it's, it's this difficult balance of like great, amazing, personalized, beneficial content, plus the ability to do it really, really quickly. Yeah. And I think that is the keys because people always want things faster, right? Everybody wants a seven second habit, three seconds, right? And, and because you have these, the bigger companies that are able to do that, right? And they were able to adapt and they have these processes and these people are looking at the processes on a daily basis. How do we as the smaller, the smaller, you know, the, the smaller fish be able to go and, and put some kind of efficiencies in place where you don't have to respond in, you know, two minutes, but maybe it's two hours, maybe it's three hours. So you're not missing that opportunity because people are, very quick to go jump with the other guy or jump the other person if you don't respond quickly or say something bad on social media or whatever that is, right? To, to mitigate that. Yeah. Yeah. So they don't, they don't differentiate between small or big. They just want good experiences. Yeah, man, those selfish customers <laughs> everywhere and they're, and they're having kids. So their kids are going to be the same way. So we're going to have to learn, learn to adjust. So let's, I'm going to totally flip this on you a little bit. So tell me a little bit about what's your favorite vacation. I know we've been talking about the agile thing, which I'm really intrigued about, but tell me a little bit like your favorite vacation. I know this is a total switch of gears, but um, I'm a huge traveler. Like I was just in, I just was in Sri Lanka for a keynote and some other stuff. And now I've been bit by the bug. So I've been asking everybody this on the podcast, like, where have you gone? I think it's mainly just for me being selfish because I want to know like a cool place you've been to so that I can go there other than Austin, which is absolutely on my list with my other three books that I'll be reading here soon. Um, tell me about a cool vacation you went on recently, or maybe not recently. It could be whenever. Uh, so I think probably my best like traveling vacation was uh, to the Loire Valley in France. My husband and I just rented a car and we drove around and we we rented a little house like in the middle of a sunflower field. And then every day we'd take the car to like an old castle and and you could just oh you could get like the huge like liter of wine for like ninety nine cents and so much wine and and. Uh, foie gras and just traveling around and it was so nice to be in a little place that was out in the middle of where we were traveling like as opposed to being in in Paris or somewhere big yeah you really got um and I realized that my Paris French does not translate to the countryside like at all um but that was really nice that was one of my favorite traveling vacations although last week I unplugged completely and just spent time at my house with my husband without my cell phone uh, and that was pretty spectacular as well. On purpose? So my, On I, I, purpose, you, oh. yes. Oh, he didn't like disconnect the internet or anything or sabotage it and cut any wires or anything? No. Nope. Just straight, you said, I want to spend some time with my hubby. Yeah. Well, December kind of kicked my butt, so I needed some uh, recharge time. I hear you. I hear you're an angel. That's awesome. My wife and we try to do some stuff like that, but it is the disc, the total, actually, let me take that back. I am leaving for Tahoe, Lake Tahoe in like seven days, six days. So that's supposed to be my total disconnect. That's going to be my, like, if my wife sees me on my phone or trying to pull my laptop up, she's going to slap it on my hand. The funny part about that is my laptop, my wife actually calls it my girlfriend. So when we'll go on vacation. She's like, are you bringing your girlfriend? And so anybody around is like, what do you mean? Are you bringing your girlfriend? Like, I thought you guys were, are you guys swingers or something? I'm like, 
no. And so my, my laptop, and so usually I bring my girlfriend, right? Not all the time. I used to be really bad. I told you before it was 18, 19 hours. It was like really, I mean, I was 30 pounds heavier. I was, you know, I just wasn't mentally right now. I have a, a better balance when it comes to work-life balance, even though it doesn't sound like it when I explain it here, because I bring my girlfriend everywhere. But um, yeah, that's, it's always been interesting. So this, this next trip is supposed to be three days of and I shouldn't say that because people are going to email me and I'm emailing back and like, you lied. Like you said you were, and my wife probably will set up a few people to do that to see if I do it. We got to, this is going to get tricky. So I got to, maybe I do need to totally disconnect. Maybe that's the way to well, go. Well, maybe this won't have come out by then. So nobody would know. Yeah. Hey, that's a good one. Cause it probably won't. Maybe I'll have the team push it out a little bit. And so I can still be bad, not disconnect. <laughs> and then that will, t- I'm, I, I'm yeah, I am going to have to send you an angel, a little angel on your shoulder. I thought we said two, because one is not going to one is kind of like, I mean, I think it's kind of committee, but I need two. Like, I'm the guy, I'm the management that you like need to like tell his people that, hey, this is what you're supposed to do. And I'm already looking for a way out of not of responding to people, right? So I'm like, I'm that guy already. Like, damn, I just realized I'm that guy. That sucks. <laughs> oh, well, it's a lot of reality there. So that's okay. I'm okay with that. So, um, okay. So France. So it sounds like that was like, I mean, it sounds like it was like an influencer. Like that's where all influencers want to be like with fields and wine and, you know, running around, except you're not documented, which is fine too. Or maybe you did. I don't know. But no, uh, I was, I was, uh, I was poor and broke and a grad student at that point. So. Ah, yeah, yeah, yeah. Ah, the poor vacation. Sometimes those are good too. You know, yeah. sometimes that happens. I, um, like I said, I was just in Sri Lanka for a little keynote thing that I did. And I'll tell you right now. And so this, and the, uh, all my people from Sri Lanka to watch this are going to love this. I was the best vacation because of they, it was like a, because I was a keynote there. They're like, Hey, you want to come out one week early and, and, you know, and travel the country. And I'm like, uh, yeah, hell yeah, I do. So that was my disconnect because only because the internet wasn't phenomenal. But anyway, so I went out there and it was like the craziest trip that I've ever been on. Now it was all paid for VIP. And I'm only saying this, not because I'm used to this, but it was like the hospitality and they want to show you a good time because there was 52 influencers from all over the world that flew out there um, for this. And it was the largest hotel chain, cinnamon hotels. Um, and so it was just a, I mean, this experience was like, kind of sounds like yours. It was, I mean, yours was awesome as, as well, but this was just like, I didn't, I mean, I, I barely spent any money on the whole thing. And just the people were so nice and food and drink. There was one day, this is, this is how much fun we had and how, and this is terrible to say, I'm going to say this out loud for the podcast is there was one day that we had, we had lobster all day long. This is terrible. I, I sound like a diva right now. And by the end of it, when it was dinner time and, and we had, they served lobster again and we we're like, Oh God, not lobster again. Like literally that's what it was like. Cause it was, I mean, it was just, the food was phenomenal and the, everybody there, but it was just like, Oh, lobster. Again. So I don't even know if I can finish this. And I'm like, who are we right now? Like I, you know, I get lobster, like we get it usually with my family, like twice a year we'll have it, you know, and there's some Chris actually New Year's Eve is when we usually do it. And, um, and so I just was like, Oh, so I, you know, gain weight and all this kind of stuff. But it was a phenomenal trip. It was just like that, that, you know, it just, I think it was because somebody else was fitting the bill and the people were just so nice. It was just such a good trip. But, and then I went to India, had an awesome time there and blah, blah, blah. So anyways, it was, it was a good trip for sure. But, um, that yours sounds like a lot more like a personal trip, like just you and your husband being able to connect. I think those are always good. My wife and I try to do those like seriously where I'm not bringing my girlfriend at least one, but two, two times a year where it's like, Hey, let's just go spend a weekend or go do whatever and go hiking or whatever that is. And just kind of have some fun to, to revamp the relationship. You know, how long have you been married for? Let me ask. Oh, let's see. It was 16 years in June. Okay. See, we're right about 13, right about 13, 14. So um, about the, you know, close to the same, close to the same. It's always, 
you know, anyways, my wife's an absolute angel. And I, I mean, that other than the agile angels that you're going to be sending me, she's like a real angel, like, you know, puts up with me and, and deals with me. And so if my wife's listening yeah, the, to this, I love spouses you. of entrepreneurs have a special place in heaven, I think. Pray for them. Give them three angels, little agile angels that they can take with them. Um, well, cool. Well, good. I, I just, I think what we'll end on here is, is there anything that the world doesn't know about you? Like, give me kind of a fun fact. Like one of the fun facts that I gave was that I didn't, and I've done this before. I, it's, it's taken me 10 years to finish college. Not because I've like failed out and was, you know, on drugs or in prison or anything. I can't say that whether that was true or not true. But anyways, my, my point of telling you this is there was 10 years and it took me to finish college because I was traveling and doing all this fun stuff. And I didn't want to be a full blown adult. You know, I was trying to like, evade that whole thing um so give me like one fun fact it doesn't have to be anything too crazy but the crazier than you know obviously we use that as a clip and you know send that around the world so everybody can hear it but um like give me a little fun fact about yourself um fun fact so last year i got into triathlons here in boulder colorado um but i did not do a good job of balancing that with the rest of my life and so one one uh, weekend i got back from london on a friday night and then Saturday morning, I got up to go and do a triathlon, uh, and it was 45 degrees, and it was very bad life choices. And so the water was so cold, and I was so jet lagged that I couldn't breathe, and they had to pull me out of the water about a third of the way through the swim. Oh, man. So, well, I'll, I'll tell you, so Spartan used to be one of my clients, the Spartan mm-hmm. races. And mm-hmm. I'll tell you, we, we did, and we went to the one in Tahoe, and I saw those people running up that hill. And now, obviously, you're doing a triathlon, which is like, you know, the, the preparation. If anybody – if you don't understand what the preparation is for that, it's like insane. It's like all the people, which I think from a mental standpoint is saying, hey, I can do this. But jet lag, I can't, I can't imagine doing it without jet lag. And with jet lag, it's like, like your odds of making it are like – I don't care if you're an athlete, 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 athlete. is like 1% or something. Like it's – it was bad. It was not a good idea. Mm, yeah. And it was actually warmer in the water than it was outside of the water. So then you, you swim and you're all wet and then you have to go get on the bike. And so you're like frozen to the bike. It was, it was bad. It was bad. I think another thing what people don't realize, or maybe they do, is when – so one of the guys that I was working with on the whole Spartan thing, he was um, always from California. And, but he wasn't from the mountainous areas, right? So it was more of a valley type thing. And, you call, and you know, obviously Boulder being an example, like running – Running a mile in Sacramento, nice little flat valley, compared to Boulder, like not even on the same page. Like th- those aren't even like we can't even like th- we can't even put up in the, not even the same category. So a lot of these people that were going up and doing the Tahoe thing, which is obviously up in the mountains, they weren't they didn't train for that. They weren't acclimated to that. And it's like it's a whole different deal. Like I, there was guys right. going up that mountain. Now, mind you, I was, you know, doing content and doing that stuff. So I was down at the bottom of the valley safe, you know, for what it was. But you see people that were coming down. I mean, it looked like they got attacked by wolves, which not really, but it's just like the mental, just everything that strain on your body and, and not really being prepared for that, that elevation change. I mean, they were literally, these are the Spartan elite champion, you know, they're, like I said, these are the guys that like fight like wild wolves on the weekend and, you know, would love to fight a bear if they had an opportunity. Not really, but kind of. And they're going up this hill and I'm looking at the thing. I'm like, man, I'm tired of watching them. Like I literally had to use my inhaler watching them go up that hill. So I can only imagine. But so they pulled you out and obviously you were, obviously you're safe because we're on the podcast today. But so no other yeah. triathlons in the future or what are we looking at here? Have you? No, I have not signed up for any races this year. I'm trying to, uh, to do the balance thing and, uh, yeah. So it was, it was too much. Yeah. Man, I hear you. But you know, the thing is, is, and I know this is, but at least you try to do it. I don't know if it was the jet lag thing we could probably talk about off screen and say, hey, you know, but the, the idea that you at least still tried to do it 
second, right? Because we're always looking to push ourselves. Um, I think it's awesome. I think it's awesome that you tried it and then you, even though you did get pulled out and you're still alive and be able to talk about it, that's awesome for your kids and your husband and all that other stuff. So we do appreciate you staying alive. So that we do thank you for that. Yeah, it's an easy wins. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, so let's talk about this. So let's, I mean, this is, we're, we're at the end of this thing. This has been an, an awesome interview. So if anybody wants to get in contact with you, why don't you give us your, the email, the website, how they can get in contact with you, a little description, anything else you want to give at the end of this thing? Yeah, sure. Um, so agilesherpas.com is our website. Um, all the courses that I talked about are on there, as well as all the content for free out there in the, uh, the world if you need a uh, free place to start. Uh, I'm Andrea at agilesherpas.com. Very easy to find me via email. Andrea Fryrear at Twitter. There's not a lot of people with the Fryrear last name, so uh, I'm pretty easy to find there too. That's awesome. I have one last thing. So Fryrear, how many people in the U.S. have that last name? Do you know? I don't know exactly, but not a lot. No, we're very a very small group. Yeah. Yeah, you guys are going to be taking over the world, I heard. So this is what's funny. So my wife's original well, original last name was Padlock, and they're the only Padlocks in the world because when they came over from Ellis Island, they changed it from Padalucci to Padlock for whatever reason because the spelling wasn't good. And so I'm just telling you that I didn't know if there was a story behind your last name because, you know, like I said, there's only there's literally two Padlocks in the world. Like, we've looked it up. Um, but you guys are a little bit – you guys have grown a little bit, and you guys are obviously going to take over the world. So that's, yeah. that's good. Yeah, yeah. That's good. Well, that's awesome. Well, hey, thank you so much for taking the time. I know you're real busy with your schedule and everything. And, and uh, once again, we've already passed the holidays, but have an awesome 2019. And I'll let you know when the podcast comes out. Sounds great. Thanks so much. Awesome. Have a good day. You too. Bye-bye.